The Creative Psychotherapist is the official podcast of the Creative Clinician's Corner, a practice-building resource for creative psychotherapists. TCP Podcast is the cast for creative, expressive, and experiential-focused psychotherapists curious to learn how to design, build, and scale a thriving private practice. Your host, Raina Lombardi, interviews successful therapists about the tools and strategies they have used to develop creative-focused practices. They also talk about the products, services, and side hustles they have developed, using their knowledge and creativity to enhance their therapy practices, make a greater impact in their communities, and diversify their income streams. Welcome. Now here's your host, Raina Lombardi. Thanks so much for tuning into the Creative Psychotherapist podcast. I'm your host, Raina Lombardi, and I'm extremely excited to welcome my next guest today. Her name is Dr. Rosanna, oops, excuse me, Dr. Roseanne Kapanahodge. Dr. Roseanne is a trailblazing psychologist for almost 30 years in pediatric mental health. Uh, she's an expert. She is the founder and director of the Global Institute of Children's Mental Health and Dr. Roseanne and Associates. Her Connecticut-based center was established in 2001 and has helped thousands of children and adults reverse most, the most challenging conditions, such as ADHD, autism, anxiety, depression, concussion, learning disability, Lyme disease, and PANS pandas. Dr. Roseanne treats these conditions using proven holistic therapies such as neurofeedback, biofeedback, psychotherapy, and nutrition using her trademarked two-week intensive 360 reboot program. Her mission is to teach parents how to reduce and reverse their child's symptoms using proven natural therapies and her book, It's Gonna Be Okay, and course, the Get Unstuck program the step-by-step -step way to change your child's mental health. She gives parents the tools for lasting change. She's also the author of the Teletherapy Toolkit, Therapist Handbook for Treating Children and Teens, and course, the first of its kind is a professional's guide to virtual therapeutic activities and how to keep your kids engaged in teletherapy. She is also co-author of the best-selling book, Brain Under Attack, a resource for parents and care caregivers of children with PANS, PANDAS, and autoimmune encephalopathy. Named a thought leader in children's mental health by Forbes, she's been featured on dozens of media outlets such as the Mel Robbins Show, Fox News, CBS, NBC, Cheddar, USA Today, Yahoo News, WebMD, Business Insider, Parents, The Week, and The New York Times. Welcome so much Dr. Roseanne, thank you so much for being here. Well, thanks for having me. I appreciate being here. So I am super excited. There's so many things that we could talk about. Um, That's based, for sure. <laughs> based on your like wide range of expertise. But let's talk about your new book, The Teletherapy Toolkit. What inspired you to create this um, text for parents, caregivers, and therapists? Yeah, so, you know, when the pandemic hit us as therapists, you know, some of us had some experience doing teletherapy, but I think the majority of people weren't doing teletherapy on the regular. Mm -hmm. And some people had had no experience, like at all. And so, you know, I have a large group practice and I, it started out with a worry for my own therapist who had always done teletherapy, but really mostly in-person therapy. Mm -hmm. And I started just collecting information and looking for resources. And as the pandemic sort of raged on, and even when we returned to the center, it really, people didn't want to come back. They wanted to do teletherapy. And yeah. so, you know, I literally was like sitting in my hot tub at seven o'clock on a Wednesday night, and I'm scrolling through, looking on Amazon yet again for a book on therapeutic activities. <laughs> and I put in tele. And then all of a sudden it said health activities and it just dawned on me, there was nothing. Oh so gosh. I'm a fast action taker. And um, during COVID, this is the truth. I wrote four books 
And I oh had my gosh. just, <laughs> I know, I had just finished my third book. I did a lot of other things too. I'm very, I've done a lot of neurofeedback. So my brain works really fast. And so I, and I'm a fast action taker. I'm somebody who puts thoughts into action really quick, right? Um, so I literally like hopped out of the hot tub and I was like, I'm going to write this fourth book. And so I just outlined it. And for 31 days, this is what I did. It's 420 pages. I mean, it's a big book. This is not a little book. Mm -hmm. And I just poured in everything that I knew therapists needed to do teletherapy and be awesome at it from all those essentials to, you know, about how to set up a session. What do you need to do to tell the parents um, how to build rapport, how to, you know, keep kids engaged. And then lots of information sheets, for parents about everything from what is somatic experience to, you know, what is ADHD, what is autism, and then just dozens and dozens and dozens of amazing, very visual or kinesthetic activities for kids and teens. Um, in they're just based in a lot of theory. And, you know, really you get the book and that day you can start using it. And there just were no, no resources. And what I was seeing, I'm sure you will, you will find this as somebody who trains people, is people were overusing a rapport building tech activities. Um, like, I'm going to do Scrabble. <laughs> you can't do Scrabble forever. And I really yeah. wanted to give a resource that was based in ground theory, grounded in theory, so that therapists could feel good about what they were doing, but more importantly, the clients would see that change. Yeah. Um, that's what therapy is about is being that change maker, the guide to provide those tools and resources um, in that session and create that safe space for a client. Um, and, you know, we have an obligation to do that. And so this book really just makes it very, very easy for a therapist um, to get back in their lane and feel as good as they did doing in-person therapy. That that's really amazing. And, and I did hear a lot of that at first of just therapists feeling overwhelmed and fatigued and exhausted just from having a handful of sessions on the computer because they were having to um, flex and learn new ways of doing things and new ways of engaging kids. And for a lot of them, um, it was kind of like either some people were really took to it and they're like, okay, I'm going to change my whole practice to continue yes. doing this. And then other people are like, I never want to do this again. I just want to go back to being able to be with people in person. Um, and, and so for somebody who is really challenged with uh, engaging people virtually, what would you say would be a helpful skill for them to learn or a technique for them to learn um, that would increase their confidence behind the camera with their client? Yeah, I mean, um, such an important question. I think, first of all, I think there's a couple things that we need to do and change our own thinking that teletherapy is here to stay. This is not a fad. This is not something that's going to go away. Yeah. And some clients, as my own experience, you know, we have a huge center. It's easy for people to be totally seated very far away from their clients. But people didn't want to always come back in. And some therapists didn't want to come back in. So accepting that it's here, accepting that it's as valid as in-person therapy. <laughs> um, that's huge. And believing in yourself. I think people would say to me that they felt like, just like when they got out of grad school, right? I remember, yes. you know, getting my doctorate and, you know, I um, had already had had a lot of experience. So when I did my internship, I actually had a paid internship, like a regular job, which is very unusual. <laughs> and so because it, I don't need think even matters because it was paid, but I had terrible supervisors. I had supervisors Aww. that were like, here you go. And <laughs> I think a lot of people have that experience, right? Oh, yeah. Like here's 50 cases and get going. Mm -hmm. Call me if you need me. Yeah. Um, <laughs> 
So, you know, I, as you can imagine, right, I write this book really quick. You know, I'm somebody who um, figures things out. I'm a great problem solver. I'm great at synthesizing a ton of information and making it really digestible and easy. And, you know, when you work with kids, a lot of times they're very forgiving, but, you know, I was like, I need something. I need something that's like useful, something that's my base. So I was working in a school and I grabbed onto solution focused therapy. Mm-hmm. It was what I needed. It, it was a really great for schools. And it, at the time in the nineties, you know, it was just laden with accessible and easy to use things. Right. And that mm-hmm. sort of became my base. And I felt a lot better because I wasn't getting the resources from the therapist I was working with who were older and did a lot of talk therapy. Mm. And I, I believe that, uh, you know, the basis of my work is when the nervous system is activated, more stress activated, you know, we know physiologically you can't access your conscious brain right. uh, and your frontal lobes are offline. So talk therapy is not valid for an activated person. And it can be once you deactivate the nervous system, right? Which I do with a lot of things like biofeedback, meditation, neurofeedback, um, somatic experiencing, EFT tapping, meditation, Reiki, you know, um, most of us are Reiki certified at my center. So we use a lot of tools and we meet people where they're at. And so there's not one thing that is the best thing, even though I got to say neurofeedback and biofeedback pretty much are amazing for anybody. I mean, I've never had somebody who couldn't benefit from biofeedback. Can so, we, can we, can I interrupt you for just yeah. a moment? Yeah. For folks that are not familiar with biofeedback and neurofeedback, can you explain a little bit what they are and how they differ? Sure. And absolutely. We'll go back to your question about what you can okay. do in a center too. See, I'm good at that. So, um, so let's talk about biofeedback and neurofeedback. First of all, these are evidence-based tools that have been around for decades and decades and decades. Um, I mean, biofeedback, 70 plus years, neurofeedback, 50 years. Uh, neurofeedback has tens of thousands of research studies, 3,000 peer-reviewed. Uh, highly evidence-based. Don't let anybody tell you anything else. Um, and I really just a huge believer um, of the use of these tools for pretty much any mental health condition because of the stress hyperactivation of the nervous system. And these tools calm the nervous system. So bio and neurofeedback are cousins, but they work in different mechanisms. So mm-hmm. biofeedback is conscious control of what we call our autonomic functions. It's a fancy word for our breath, our heart rate, our muscles, um, our skin temperature, um, and skin conduction. So we use devices to teach us to control one of those functions with the goal of calming our nervous system and getting us out of, if you know anything about um, the autonomic nervous system, we uh, have a, you know, our nervous system has a relaxed state, which is called a parasympathetic and a stress state, which is called the sympathetic. Most people that walk in my door and I use tools where I can measure these things, but you don't always have to, you can do an interview and you can tell when somebody's stress activated. Oh my uh, pretty gosh, much yeah. everybody walks in our door as a, in therapy is, is stress activated. <laughs> I mean, that's why they're there. So when we use these tools, and I use like biofeedback, I've used it with kids as young as two and a half. I mean, you know, there's lots of things you can do. I mean, I work with elderly folks. I mean, the bulk of what I do is with kids and teens and families, um, because I love working with them. (laughs) And they're always open to change, where adults are not always open to change. Um, Not saying everybody, but they're just easier. You know, you ask a kid to do something different, they're like, okay. You know, yeah. we're an adult like, why? You know, I don't know if I feel good about that. You know, that doesn't work. <laughs> doesn't work. I've already tried that, you know. So, um, so, and neurofeedback is training the subconscious to directly change brainwaves. So you are using computers to reinforce your own brain to change its functioning. Um, you can reinforce the brain to create new electrical electrical activity in certain regions. It's pretty amazing. 
I mean, I am so grateful. I mean, this is why our, we collect a lot of data. We do QEGs, we do um, Likert scales for all of our people, and we do a clinical um, intake in a database called the CEC checklist. So we have tons of data. We have a 91% success rate. Uh, that would be low. Um, we, we go with the research. So 91% of our people have significant improvement. Uh, it is not unusual for people to have full remediation of their symptoms. That's amazing. Um, amazing. So it's pretty incredible. And we use the tools. And the other part of that is people actually trusting us and following through on the work. So, which is a very hard part in therapy. We can't control that. But here, you know, we really use a lot of psychoeducation about the brain and we teach people how important regulating their nervous system is and people get a relief, mm -hmm. right? So um, I do not believe in psychiatric medications. I think that they are very overused and um, that they probably could be used about 3% of the time they're actually used. I think they're appropriate in very rare cases. Um, and we have to stop using that as our go-to and therapists need to insist that people participate in the therapy process for at least three months before we jump into psych meds. Mm -hmm. We have to train people that there needs to be changes. That's what psychotherapy is about. It's a holistic therapy that is evidence-based. So, um, and I want to empower therapists to push back on this belief that is created by big pharma to earn income. So um, we don't have a lot of efficacy behind the research studies of, the, of psychiatric medications, particularly SSRIs. So we need to look and take an evidence-based approach. And that is really critical. And we can't just say, this is absolutely. You know, neurofeedback, American Academy of Pediatrics, level one treatment in ADHD since 2012 the same as Ritalin. It's the American Academy, Academy of Pediatrics says it's as effective as Ritalin since 2012. That's now, amazing. why is not every physician telling? You That's know? a great question. That is a great question. Right. So, so I think it's important. So neuro and biofeedback work. Uh, there's nothing that comes through the wires. It's teaching a person to regulate their own biofeedback body. Mm -hmm. And neurofeedback brain, highly evidence-based, highly effective. Uh, neurofeedback, uh, the research as far as 10 years out shows that these are learned changes that are lasting over time. So that's pretty incredible. So, and you're incredible. able to get to higher level conscious work. I mean, I, I work with peak performance. You know, when people say to me, how did you do that in four, in four months, right? Four bucks. Um, I mean, obviously I'm smart. Right. But so are a lot of people. So is everybody listening. You have a graduate degree. Um, I have done all of this high level cognitive work, like so many neurofeedback sessions, a lot of meditation. Meditation took me to a whole other level of thinking um, and a very clean paleo diet. So those are like some pretty amazing things. So I could talk about neuro and biofeedback every day. I think every therapist if you want to start somewhere, um, start with biofeedback and you can get an inexpensive device called HeartMath. And it is incredibly evidence-based. It's so easy to use. And you could use that. Um, you could have your clients buy it and you can use it in a session during teletherapy. If you're still doing in-person you know, we don't, we really rarely work with somebody if they're not doing some kind of brain-based work. It just makes that window of consciousness mm -hmm. so small anyway. And when you're activated, you just don't process language in the same way and you can't take action. There's no micro gains, which is right. why people say, oh, do meds. I mean, but meds typically come with a whole, I mean, not, not typically all meds, have very have side, effects. side effects, very significant. Um, you know, every week I get somebody who has psychosis from things like Ritalin every week. Mm -hmm. I mean, so I have more people having horrific reactions to medications of all ages than I do people who have any kind of significantly positive 
um, state. So I, you know, so, you know, I try to be, I'm being very objective. This is something I've been doing for 30 years. Um, and I went to these tools 20 something years ago because kids weren't even struggling to the level that they're struggling now with anxiety yeah. and depression and um, autism. Oh my gosh. Mm -hmm. I mean, right. if you had told me 20 years ago that, that one in 57 kids would have autism, I'd be like, oh, give me a break. I mean, it was, it's just skyrocketed. So we need to look at what works and we need to teach people that you can reduce and reverse mental health. You can. I mean, that's what we are doing as therapists. We're teaching people and partnering with them in that trusting relationship. So one of the questions you had was, what could therapists do in teletherapy to build yes. rapport? And there is so much you can do, right? And, you know, kids and teens, you know, they're always game for stuff, right? <laughs> so I think the first thing you need to do is certainly be creative, right? Yes. And don't think that you're limited by the screen, right? So, you know, art therapy is always appropriate. You know, how does that look? How does that work? You know, I know in my book, I have lots of checklists and things. You want to tell the parents in advance, hey, guess what? I need X, Y, and Z. Um, and if that's not something they can provide for, then if you're in a school counselor, you ask your school to provide it. If you're a therapist, get some basic kits together and you can ask the client to come and pick it up or you can mail it to them. Mm -hmm. um, but they, there are so much to do with art to keep the brain physically engaged um, you know, and the body engaged the, the mouth sort of opens up, as I like to say. That's so, so true. So true, right? <laughs> <laughs> you know, when you're doing, you're relaxing the nervous system. And, and the therapeutic component of art in just calming and regulating the nervous system, particularly with rhythmic art, you know, where you're doing a mandala or you're um, drawing um, things that have, um, you know, a sequence component to it, mm -hmm. right? Um, but also sensory things like, oh, totally. oh my God. Right. Yes. So we can't say, oh, well, this is why I'm saying embrace teletherapy, like own it and say, well, now I have to take what I did in that session and replicate it or even enhance it. Right. So the other part of that is whatever you're doing, you need to make it visual and physical right? Mm -hmm. So kids cannot sit there as we were talking um, before, they're in school all day. Right. And likely on the screen. And in Too between, right? Yeah. yeah. So we have to assume that your kids, the kids coming in are going to be tired, right? It doesn't matter how awesome you are and how fun you are. They're not going to be, I, I don't believe in the best of circumstances of doing talk therapy in, a, in, a, in the whole session. Uh, I think CBT and DBT absolutely have their place when we've gotten kids to connect to their body. So my book has a somatic uh, infusion in every activity. So mm. a base of our work is somatic work. Because everybody who's listening knows that our activated people disconnect from their body, right? Right. So, um, for example, I had a family come in last night for an intake. They wanted to see me in person. I'm like, oh my gosh, I have an in-person intake. Um, and I explained to them, it was very clear. They came in saying it was generalized anxiety. And in about two minutes, first of all, I could tell on the brain map. So we do a brain map. Um, a QEG brain map, and it's a visual representation of the brain, and it tells us exactly what's going on in the brain. So you can see over the structures, you can see which structures are underperforming and overperforming, and I can see the communication connections in the brain. Wow. It's pretty amazing. So there's no guessing. There's no like, hmm, is this anxiety or is this ADHD? Oh, is this a... So for example, when I looked at this person's brain map, and please know that I change things so that people's identity is protected. I say that in every podcast. So when I looked at this brain map, what I saw was very obvious. First of all, I said they had a left frontal hit to the head. My guess is this is a sports injury. And they looked at me like, holy guacamole. And they were hit with a ball 
and you could see it, right? So that's pretty typical, right? That's amazing. That amazing. is amazing. Amazing, right? So now we had anxiety pre-existing. Okay, so we establish that in the clinical intake, right? And in clinical intakes, just that I'm a trained school psychologist and done a lot of testing, clinical intakes could not be more important. I mean, to really understand what the issues are, I'm not as hung up on the diagnosis, but to really get clarity mm -hmm. on issues on both parties, right? The parents, the child, if the child's not there, then you do it in the next session. Um, and psychoeducation about the issue. I'm going to tell you that most people come into me and say they've never, ever had somebody deeply explain, in this case, OCD. So the person came in and I said to them, oh, I can see that he's a ruminator, like an extreme ruminator. And my next question is, has this already turned into OCD? And they were like, yes. <laughs> and I was like, okay. You know, they were completely freaked out. And I was like, here's the deal. The brain is the brain. We know if these things are working, you will see this. If they are not working, you will see this. So, um, and obviously I have been doing, I've done thousands of brain maps. I interpret them myself. There's no hiding. You know, mm -hmm. you, you can see, I can see if he's got good gut health. I can see certain nutrient deficiencies. You can see everything in a brain map. And so I substantiate it with a great clinical intake. And really what it was is, guess what? He's OCD. And he's been OCD for a while. He's just now explaining it, right? And so mm -hmm. it's so important in that intake, right, to really now obviously have the vantage point of these QEGs. But all I had to do was pull out, right? And so we're not going to get the right kind of treatment. And what did I hear from them? I heard I went to therapist, to therapist, to therapist, and super parents that like are dream parents. Like you could tell that they're the kind of people that are like, hey, listen, I'm going to give you this homework. And they're going to be like, I got it done. Is there anything else I could do? You know, they'll email you in between, right? That, you know, people that are mm -hmm. that invested, right? That's your dream client. Um, that really are so motivated and take action, right? Um, but what happened was, is this kid went into therapy and he's got OCD. He didn't want to tell people because his thoughts were real dark. Pretty typical. Sure. Yeah, Pretty absolutely. Typical. So nobody caught it. Nobody caught it at all. And they kept saying, he's a ruminator. He's a ruminator. Well, again, there's a fine line. So you know, he would go to therapy for four or five sessions and then just feel sick because what would happen is he would activate during that time. Talking was an activation for him and there was no release. All it did was make it worse. Right. Yeah. Um, and that's pretty typical of somebody with OCD to, or even somebody with very high levels of anxiety, right? We have to teach them to get back into their body. So what I said to this parent was I'm going to warn you, I know he's very disconnected from his body, very disconnected. And the mom turned to me and said, in fact, Roseanne, what he says to me is that he's almost looking at himself, that he can't believe this is him. Wow. And what is a natural byproduct to protect you is a disconnect right? Mm -hmm. And so we need to teach people to get in their bodies, tolerate uncomfortableness, right? And meds, what do they do? Meds make you disconnected. They make you disconnect from the uncomfortableness. And so we have to do that. And so every, every you know, activity in my book has some component of connecting to your body because we have found that to be key to get stuck people of any age unstuck mm -hmm. and it helps them to understand because if you're not connecting to your body and you're only trying to connect to your logical brain you're never going to get anywhere but that deep cbt real cbt not not oh i only learned it a little bit you know what i mean but real cbt dbt those are amazing amazing tools when you are activated in a range, I'm not saying it has to be normal, but there has to be wiggle room so that you're not at max capacity and going into fight, flight, or freeze. 
Yeah. Um, and I hope everybody's having an aha because this is really why everybody makes progress in our practice is getting that nervous system deactivated, coming in with awesome psychotherapy because mm -hmm. no. psychotherapy is learning. Yeah, absolutely. It's so much, there's so much teaching involved in the therapy process when we're talking about skill acquisition and implementation. And the, I think why um, creative-based approaches and experiential-based approaches are so powerful is because we are kind of, we're speaking to both at the same time. Right, we're learning how to get into our body and how to connect with what's going on, or maybe we're even physically, you know, involved in the space and moving around and learning those other skills of how do I, how can I look or think about this differently? Um, but that it's happening simultaneously, which in the talk in talk therapy doesn't always, you know, it's you can't repeat that. Yeah. You can't always repeat that. And, and there has to be a moment where, you know, we, we can teach people, you know, even though obviously the majority of people who are coming to me are doing neuro, neuro or biofeedback or even something called PEMF, um, it's because they're so clinically outside the range and they're looking for relief and these tools bring relief. But I've had people, you know, um, fight heroin addiction just with meditation, you know? So mm -hmm. there are tools like an accessibility because people often push back and say, well, these are expensive tools and things like that. And I'm not saying they're not. I mean, biofeedback is super cheap. You can buy the device for $159. Uh, Black Friday um, at the holiday season, it will be like 25 to 40% off. So you can get it, you know, and you can use these things and everybody in the whole family for a hundred bucks can use this device. So, but we can also do, you know, very, very explicit and intentful breath work. Um, and we can totally. do meditation, but we have to do these things every day. And that's the other missing piece. So mm -hmm. one therapy session, we know this one psychotherapy session a week, it's not going to move the dial. No. You're doing stuff outside. Yes. You know, we don't have a magic wand. <laughs> No, I always say that too. Like, yeah, we can't be responsible. We're seeing somebody, you know, in 10 hours, we're supposed to completely and dramatically change somebody's life. That's unrealistic. They Not have realistic. to be doing, they have to be doing the work on their own. They have to be actively, you know, really making an effort to be aware when the problematic issue is surfacing and implementing those skills that we're teaching them in the moment. And like, especially the breath work, I feel like I probably talk about that with every client that I have. Like the best time for you to practice your breath work is when you're lying in bed right before sleep. You're lying in bed, you're in your safe place. That's a perfect place to practice that skill, which totally taps into that biofeedback stuff, which you were talking about, regulates the nervous system, and then you're and that's better really able to what, implement it. And that's what heart math is. It's breath work. It's just using a pacer and you're measure, measuring your pulse, but the heart math is a higher level breath work. It's syncing your heart rate and your breath. And when you do that, it's incredibly powerful um, mm -hmm. in reducing, you know, it's clinically proven for um, anxiety, depression, and insomnia. So, I mean, hello. I did <laughs> it. Focus, you know? I did it a number of years ago. I was in a car accident okay. and I was having pretty significant post-trauma symptoms where my, you know, my fight or flight system was getting activated just from peripheral input. That was nothing dangerous, but um, it would just send me into this, like, oh my gosh, I, I don't think I can drive. I need to pull over. It was not okay. And, but that's what I ended up doing. I only, and it only took a couple of um, sessions at the center uh, that had the biofeedback equipment. And it was, it, I was like, okay. And pretty amazing, right? Yeah. Well, that was your body telling you, right? That's what, you know, it's always a blessing when your body activates mm -hmm. and your body says, hey, 
girl, you didn't resolve that car accident and I'm going to let you know. <laughs> yes. I'm going to yeah. let you know that I want you to pay attention to me. Right. Mm -hmm. um, and you know, you chose something so efficacious and so aligned with you, right. Where a lot of times you would go to somebody and they would say, we'll pop a pill for that. Right. But you, you, there is no resolution. There's no pill to remove trauma. You right. have to do that underlying work. It's just a lot harder when you're so activated, right? And, mm -hmm. and you know, you had um, an experience where it was a physical trauma, right? You know, um, I, had a, I had a trauma in the last few years where my life was put in jeopardy. Um, and same thing happened to me where I was activated. Mm -hmm. and, and I was like, oh, I'm Dr. Roseanne. I can't be activated, <laughs> right? And my yeah. EFT tapping wasn't doing it for me. I had to do somatic experience experiencing that really put it down in the same kind of thing in a couple of sessions. Mm -hmm. Right. But then I did a lot of SE after too. Mm -hmm. So I was doing, um, I was doing a heart hug all mm -hmm. day, like multiple times in the day to ground and balance and get me back into my body. Because when you have these experiences, you want to disconnect as we oh, talked yeah. about. So, uh, it's an amazing tool biofeedback and it's pretty darn easy to use these things and you know therapists can bring these into their session they absolutely can and even when i started out i would do temperature trainers so you mm -hmm. could go onto amazon and look up temperature dots and you could get like oh my god i don't know how many for like ten dollars like thousand of them or something like a, you know and you could send a bunch of these temperature dots to your client Mm -hmm. And you, in a session, you teach them how to warm their body. And when we warm our body, and I'll, I'll show you how to do that, we go into an alpha state. And an alpha state is like a feel good kind of state. It's that state you get when you're doing pleasurable activities. Like I always try to say, it's kind of the way you feel after coming out of a hot tub, right? Mm. I mean, if you can get that relaxed, but like we hear that and you're like, oh yeah, that's good stuff, right? Totally. Um, and what you do is and you could you could even do this without the dots, okay? But I love the dots. Because you get that feedback. That feedback. <laughs> and our brains are logical, right? You know what I mean? Like, and so like people will come to me and and they'll like in 10 weeks, like you know, have what neurofeedback will do will like accelerate your developmental growth, like through the roof. And I remember early on, like parents would be like, I don't know if it's the neurofeedback or, um, it's, they had a growth. And I'm like, so your kid's been developmentally delayed for 12 years. And in the last 10 weeks, they've made like two years growth. I'm telling you, it's the neurofeedback. You know what I mean? So now I tell people in advance, you're going to have big developmental growth, but it's the same thing. We need to see it. So what you do is I typically like to hold my hand in a fist, if you can visualize it for those that are listening and you have somebody just, you know, get into a chair and relax and you tell them your brain has the ability to heat your body. Okay. And you are going to heat up your hand and you have them like focus on their hand try you can do some breath work in advance that's always helpful sometimes people are so stressed out that they're like i'm not gonna do the breath work right you know <laughs> i hate <Why>? breathing <laughs> i like i hate breathing we're in trouble right um and it's because they're chest breathing so when oh, you yeah. chest breathe you feel awful right and mm -hmm. and for those of us like i mean i remember at one point in the middle of pandemic i was driving my car and I was like, I am chest breathing. I haven't chest breathed through my chest in like 20 years. I'm like, you better practice some damn breath work, girl. You know what it's, I mean? Like, it's amazing right? once you once you really um, start to integrate the diaphragmatic breath into your yes. life. Yes. You immediate, it, and it's a sign. As soon as you feel that, you're yeah. like, okay, I'm stressed. What's going on? Let me like check in with myself and exactly. Take care. And that's why we need to drop everybody into their bodies, right? That is the solution. That is the foundation of mental health. 
when we disconnect from our bodies, either psychological avoidance, behavioral avoidance, medications pulling us out of our body, we are not going to heal. We are mm. not going to get those symptoms in a place that is, uh, you're going to recover. And, and, you know, call me naive, but I'm not. For 30 years, I've been helping people just reverse their mental health symptoms. Sometimes people get their mental health systems, symptoms down to a clinically safe range mm -hmm. and, and we don't resolve them completely. But when you do the work and you do those foundational pieces, including breath work and diet and looking at mutations, there's a, there's a lot behind mental health that is very scientific that we could yeah. be teaching our clients about. Um, and really helping them to unwind. And you just have to be so clear with them that it is not a magic bullet and that, totally. that there's a process and you have to always, always teach them. And that's part of why I did like info sheets in my book, because this is what we use here. We're always like, mm -hmm. oh, you want to know more about breath work? Let me give you this sheet. Um, we also have a course for parents, um, that we use and, and a lot of parents get a benefit from that. And there's a book coming, but we have to, you know, by teaching people to the simple task of teaching them to heat up their body. And you literally will say, I want you to heat your hand up. I want you to heat your hand up. And I like to do a suds check-in. So, you know, what's your level of distress before and after? Mm -hmm. um, I have one in the book too, but you know, they're everywhere. And you could do zero to five, you can zero to 10. I like to do zero to five for under age seven mm -hmm. and over age seven, zero to 10. Sure. I don't like going beyond 10. Then people start <laughs> overanalyzing. Absolutely. Um, I could be like a 20, you know, no, no, no. <laughs> Um, and you want to get them to see, and that's a big part of my, I love data. So I like for people to see when I use these Likert scales, when I sit down with people, I regularly review the Likert scales with them. Like, oh my gosh, your um, OCD on your hand washing was a 10 and we're at a six. Oh my gosh. Let's talk about what are you doing differently? Mm -hmm. What is helping you cope? Right. Right. Um, and it's just so powerful. We don't want to miss that. And these are the kind mm -hmm. of things that, you know, like every therapist should be doing. And certainly in a virtual session, we need more visuals. We need more things to yes. help them be present and engaged. Um, another big tip that is very helpful in these sessions with kids is to really set up your sessions with the parents and let them know what your boundaries are, what you expect um, you know, I have a checklist that says, these are the things a parent needs to have, you know, they need to be available. You can't have out aunt Sally walking into the room doing her laundry. Um, <laughs> oh my gosh. I've seen so much stuff this year. <laughs> I mean, what's your, I know here's, I mean, we have seen the craziest things. I've gotten real clarity on parenting in the sessions. <laughs> Well, it, you get a glimpse of what's going on in the household, yeah. which as an outpatient therapist, yeah. you typically wouldn't see. And it does give you a lot of insight into like the parents level of um, executive functioning skills, really. Yes. And, and, and if they're, you know, struggling with that stuff that really rolls down to the kids and you can, oh, okay, well, that makes sense. Okay. Now I understand yeah. why. Now I get it. I remember about midway through the pandemic, I had a mom, um, that I, that I knew, um, sort of knew not, not as a mom, but as a professional, and a lot of professionals take their kids to me. And, um, and so she was like, Roseanne, I'm going to tell you straight out, like, we are terrible parents. And I was like, no, everybody says that. And she's like, all right. And it was like the craziest intake I'd ever done. Like, like the dog is coming on the screen and the baby is like, ah, you know, with their dogs and stuff like that. And I was like, you told me you were terrible. And I'm going to tell you, you are pretty bad. You are. And then this is, I can say this in a lot of love. Okay. I was like, you guys have no structure. She's like, I told you we had no structure. I was like, listen, people tell me that all the time. I'm going to tell you, you are for real. You got no structure and you need some therapy on parenting and how to put structure. And she's like, we do. And I'm like, are you going to do it? And she's like, I'm going to try. And I was like, there's no trying. You're going to do it because your kids are like 
completely, it's terrible. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I was like, and kids need structure and routine. They need structure and routine. They do. Oh my gosh. And, predictability. predictability. Predictability reduces anxiety. I was like, I don't know how you get anything done. She's like, I'm not. And I'm like, it's pretty clear. You know what I mean? So it was, it was a great insight that I think we would have seen in the session. I actually, um, one of my early career jobs was actually doing psychotherapy in people's homes. Me and too. It was, isn't it amazing? Crazy, amazing, crazy, amazing what you see when you're I inside learned the so home. Much. You do. You learn so much. And, um, and it's so interesting too, like what the kids want to pull you into and show you, um, you know, yeah, For sure. always, it's always interesting. I, I've been fishing with kids, did therapy on the basketball court, uh, walk and talk therapy. Like let's, there's no privacy in your house. We cannot talk as a teenager. We need to go on a walk around the neighborhood. Yeah. Um, yeah, you learn a lot. Um, yeah. And that's always, you know, movement, you know, I know a lot of our therapists are doing nature walk, um, mm. teletherapy with their clients, with their teens or kids that are same thing. There's no privacy in the home. You know, that's that creative part, you know, what can mm. you do to really help meet kids where they're at, but, but give them an opportunity to, um, use that session to learn those skills, right? Because if yeah. we're doing a session and 15 interruptions are happening, I mean, we ha one of my therapists came to me and was like, you know, we, we do these intensives where people come for two weeks and this is an intensive. And she said, the dad answers his phone in the middle of the teletherapy. And I was like, did you tell him to put it away? And she was like, no, he's like really an important guy. And I'm like, I'm the busiest person I know. <laughs> And I would never answer my phone in a therapy session unless I said to the therapist, hey, listen, I'm, I am waiting for a call from the doctor for my kids' sure. school. And I wouldn't even answer it unless it was them. But he literally was answering his phone. And I was like, you got to set the boundary. You got to tell him this and this and this. And, you know, she did. You know, she felt bad because he was dealing with some kind of work crisis. But you've got to be present. You can't mm -hmm. expect your child's mental health to change if you're not there. And it's that same thing of the therapy session. So, you know, we often think as therapists that our families are going to have the same logic that we do. And it's not the case. And also people are overwhelmed. We talked about therapists being overwhelmed. I think they're finding their way in their groove now. Yes. Um, but I'm going to tell you, families have not. Mm. And with now the, you know, in this is, we're in the end of 2020 here in this interview, you know, as we move back into the winter and we move into the holidays, a lot of the same feelings are coming back up. Oh um, yeah. Oh my gosh. Right. People are isolated and depressed and boy are people um, having a lack of what I call um, courtesy due to COVID. So, um, you know, there's an intensity and there's a yes. lot of kind of hostile behaviors from people who are lacking insight into their own anxiety and stress. That you, that is exactly true. Exactly true. Where people are, you're like, wait a minute, this is uncharacteristic of you. Yeah, you're right. like freaking out over something that's completely benign and this is not really a problem, <laughs> but it not is, it's really related to the anxiety of everything that's been going on and the inconsistencies and the unknown. And now we're yeah. seeing spikes in numbers again and things are starting Absolutely. to crack down. So yeah. And yeah. it's, it's not our, it's always in our personal lives. Right. And certainly with our clients, you know, our job is to, with our clients to be like, I'm hearing <laughs> that you are feeling stress, but did you ever think it's because you're anxious about the world? Like to offer mm -hmm. that insight in the personal life. I don't know if that is always the best route other than to say like, I hear you're having a hard time. How can I help you? You know mm -hmm. what I'm saying? Because my experience in this year on a personal level, even with some of the therapists who work for me is they're lacking insight into their distress. So, you know, um, and it's, 
like you said, some people are experiencing an agitation or anxiety and they never have. Yeah. Yeah. It's uncharacteristic of them. And yeah. And I think to your point, um, it goes back to what you were originally saying. When we, once we become emotionally activated and the limbic system fires up, it's very difficult for us to really um, think in that level to, to make those connections like, oh, let me have that aha moment. I'm freaking out over this, but it's really not about that. It's about this over here. It's um, that I'm feeling sad. You know what I mean? But I'm going to freak out about that there was no more turkeys left. You know what I mean? And everybody will feel my wrath. You know what I mean? <laughs> like oh, yeah. it, it's been, it's been really interesting to see, you know, people like you said, where it's very uncharacteristic. I'm going to say that's one of my most surprising components of, of COVID. I mean, it's part of why I coined the term reentry panic syndrome, because when people were trying to reenter the world, I saw freakouts of people that I had never seen in their worry, unhealthy mm -hmm. levels of, of worry and inability to cope with reentering the world. Um, and that was the first surprise to me. But now I think it's like, this is, this, we're all therapists, right? So we know we need to take care of ourselves. And I implore therapists, you know, I have a whole section about self-care. You need self-care, you know, and we have to model it. But most importantly, we have to do it for ourselves. And mm -hmm. you've got to take 10 minutes a day. Otherwise, we're going to be stress activated. I'm going to say that, you know, I've been doing Zoom. I use the HIPAA compliant version of Zoom. And I've been using Zoom for I don't know how long. And I've done these kind of appointments forever. But it wasn't the bulk of my day. It was part oh, yeah. of my day. And this is draining. This is mm -hmm. so draining. Um, you know, to have the lights on you, you know, I usually use my zoom glasses. Um, and, and it makes a big difference when we use our zoom glasses. Um, but you know, do your part to take care of yourself so that you can be kind to yourself and love yourself and help others. Because if mm -hmm. we don't got our stuff together as therapists, as friends, as parents, as spouses, we're not, we don't have much to offer anybody. I totally agree. A hundred and thousand ten percent. It's yeah. so true. We can't so take true. care of others if we're not taking care of ourselves. No. Yeah. Yeah. And this can be a time for people. You know, many people go into mental health because of their own mental health background and their family, right? What family doesn't have something? Um, yeah. If, you, if you're saying your family doesn't have something, I'm going to tell you, you're a liar. No, um, it's just not true with genetics. Everybody's got something. But this can be a time in this period of COVID and pandemic that we could be activated and we can be feeling things that maybe we didn't know were there that were lurking. So always be kind, always take care of yourself. And just because the world is feeling this anxious hum doesn't mean we have to take that on. And I think we have to even more allow for time. Don't do 10 hours of appointments. It's not the same as when you did it in person where you have five minutes and you can see your buddy, right? Mm -hmm. You know, like two of my therapists were like, I got to see people in the center, honestly, so they can hang out with me and the other staff. And I'm like, well, of course. I mean, and it's because we have a lot of fun. Like when we see each of other, course. we laugh and- or you experience something very bizarre, like help me, I don't know what to do with this. You know, it's just all those touch points. Mm -hmm. Totally, the connection, the connectedness. And, and if you're at home in your home office doing therapy, you know, you, you don't have that connectedness mm -mm. to all no. the other people. And, and that piece is definitely huge in being able to cope with the little stress that comes up throughout the day. Huge. Yeah. yeah. Huge. Um, and, you know, so you've got to find it in some other way to be connected. And we all need, like in those moments too, there's a lot of supervision that goes on. So you need to find a place, a group for supervision, you know, do yeah. a biweekly group with other therapists. Like you need that um, to better yourself as a therapist. I'm always learning. I'm always training. Like everyone always says like, how do you know so much? I'm going to tell you that I study seven days a week, mm -hmm. seven days a week. Um, you could, I have a 
you know, an encyclopedia in my brain of stats and things and whatever. And I love it. But um, we need supervision for connectedness. And it's part of our field. It's always mm -hmm. been a part of our field. Um, and I think it's, you know, validates what you are doing right. It helps you to get creative and, you know, think of different ideas. But, you know, it's, uh, I don't want people to, it's like you said, it's an essential component, those touch points with other people in our field. Um, and I think, you know, I listen to podcasts all day. It's like my favorite thing. I often can get in a couple podcasts a day. Yeah. Um, you know, squeak them in when I'm getting ready in the morning, when I'm driving, I have a long drive and I listen to them. And, you know, so um, that can be that cognitively stimulating component, but we need to connect on a more personal level. So I think that, you know, as people shift totally into teletherapy, you know, it's not something that I've talked a lot about, but I think you need to find a way to have that connection with other therapists if you're not seeing people in your day to day. Yeah, I think that's a, a great point. And um, for therapists that operate individually and they weren't in a group practice, I think that that is an important aspect of things too. I know when I was by myself, like I had regularly scheduled appointments with some colleagues that we would meet and and it just, it makes such a huge difference because we're able to talk about, you know, not just the the clinical components of the challenges that we're experiencing, but also some of the operational components um, and, and those types of things, integrating uh, new laws that have been issued because of all of these changes that have gone on and those Absolutely. kinds of things. And it's nice to be able to talk about that with, with other folks um, to make sure that you're, you're getting everything right. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And no matter what kind of practice you're doing, right, private practice, working in a school, you know, there's nuances. So to connect with those people is pretty cool, right? Like when we started, I was like, let me tell you a great camera. <laughs> yes. You know, yes. and we were able to talk all about that because I had done like a bazillion hours of investigations on, you know, what's a great camera, a webcam without buying my expensive camera. So, um, you know, and then you're like, it's just fun. It's also fun to connect with people. We're all therapists. Yes. We like people. <laughs> I agree. I agree. Yeah. yeah. Well, I am incredibly grateful for this really rich conversation that we've had today and all the knowledge that you've shared. You're clearly a wealth of knowledge. And just hearing you talk about the benefits of uh, participating in your own neurofeedback, I'm like, okay, that's my next thing. That's my next oh, thing I've got to do. Make it your thing. Make it your thing. And you can find a, a certified provider on bcia.org. Um, that's really important. I mean, there are providers that aren't certified and I'm not saying it's terrible to go to them, but at least, you know, when they're certified, they've mm -hmm. met certain they've criteria. They've done the training and done the training and it's important. And, and, uh, neurofeedback is dependent completely on the experience of the practitioner. Mm, okay. Good to so know. it is the number one you know, thing where people are going to be successful. That's why people fly into me. So we also do remote training. We work with people all over, um, actually the world and we give them equipment and we work with them remotely. Oh, wow. Um, because of COVID, <laughs> but we were already starting that process. Um, but it's a cool thing. And I would love to hear you, you know, make that time and monetary investment in doing neurofeedback for yourself. Cause it's pretty awesome. Now it sounds amazing. Mm -hmm. So yeah, where can listeners find a copy of the teletherapy toolkit and access to all of your other wonderful texts? Yeah. So you can get teletherapy toolkit on Amazon. Um, but I have an awesome freebie just for people on podcasts who are listening and it is, uh, my coping statements. So I have a resource for therapists, parents, school people, and it's, there's over a hundred coping statements, um, broken into specific areas like panic, worry and whatnot. And they're my coping statements that I've been collecting for over 10 years. And these are the coping statements that I sh share with 
parents and kids and teach them. Um, and it's, you can get it on teletherapytoolkitbonus.com, teletherapytoolkitbonus.com. And you just put your email in, it's a free download. Um, and it's a resource like I have so many parents who are like, I print that sucker out, got one in the kitchen, got one in the car, because I'm on a mission to teach, you know, kids to be more resilient mm -hmm. and to build that stress tolerance and, mm -hmm. um, and coping and teaching people to really slay anything that comes their way mm -hmm. by getting through it and empowering them to talk back to their worries or their distress is critical. And that's what those coping statements are. So you can get those there and um, you can, you can get, you know, I have a couple of websites, childrensmentalhealth.com um, and drrosanne.com will lead you to, you know, our get unstuck program for parents um, which is an eight week self guided course. Um, and my other book, it's going to be okay. will come out in winter of 2021. Oh, so we have exciting. a few books coming out. Yeah. You know, um, I wind up doing the teletherapy toolkit first because there was no other book out and I really wanted to support my therapists, um, mm -hmm. and give them something that, you know, I call it a handbook because I wanted to give them a handbook that was like ready to go. Um, and just to make them have this accessible stuff and help therapists to understand that they're, they can be as awesome in teletherapy as they can in person. That's awesome. I am so grateful again for your time. I'm going to put all of that, um, all of the websites, you know, links, uh, the link to Amazon. I'll put the freebie website in the resources section Fantastic. of the description for the podcast. And um, I really appreciate your time. Thank you so much, Dr. Rosen. This has been a fun conversation. So thank you. I really appreciate it. Uh, I, I'm grateful. I had fun too and learned a lot. <laughs> well, good. Yeah. That's always, yeah. always my favorite thing. Absolutely. I'm like, I'm like you, I'm always listening to something and reading something and learning something more. I feel like you, you can never get enough. You can never get enough and it's stimulating for us and our clients benefit. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. If you are interested in really being supported and learning the ins and outs of building and growing your uh, creative arts based practice, in 2021, I am launching a mastermind group and um, I would love for you to be a part of it. It's going to be limited to 20 people. Um, if it's less than that, that's great too. Um, but I don't want more than that because I want people to feel comfortable and uh, for everybody to have an opportunity to be heard. And we'll meet three times a month for an hour. Um, so three weeks a month. One week will be focused on some teaching and providing you with resources, templates, examples of some of the systems that Heather and I talked about in this episode. Um, but also, uh, there will be opportunity for questions and answers. And then the other two weeks will be more um, hot seat style focused uh, sessions where a member will have an opportunity to present a challenge or something that they're working on um, in the creation of their business or um, maybe it's their copywriting on their website or um, maybe it's marketing. Whatever it is that you're working on that you need some feedback on, you present it to the group and then um, we'll give feedback. As part of that, we'll have a private Facebook group where we can continue to support one another in between um, when we're not meeting. And it is really, really affordable. If you sign up before December 31st, it is $90 a month. I'm asking for a six month commitment because I really believe in um, having a committed group uh, come together for that time. That's where kind of we begin, we meet, we start to develop trust. People start to feel vulnerable to share about what's going on and, um, 
and then we can really help one another. So six month commitment, three weeks, three hours a month, that's three weeks a month, it's $90, it's $30 a week. It's really, really, I think, affordable and within budget for anybody that's just starting out, but really, really wants uh, a supportive group of um, people who are going through the same process to go along on that ride. And of course, I'll be guiding you all along the way and I'll be there for you in the group in between when we're not meeting to answer questions and give feedback and things like that. So if that's something that you're interested in, head on over to the website, creativeclinicianscorner.com and you can uh, sign up through the lab tab on the menu and you'll see mastermind group Go on and click there. You'll learn a little bit more about what we'll be doing and um, how to sign up. All right, everybody. Thanks for listening to this episode of The Creative Psychotherapist. If you like what you heard, please rate, review, and subscribe wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. For show notes, downloads, and additional resources, head over to the website at www.creativeclinicianscorner.com.